pickaxe. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Review of Death, your fortnightly home for Doctor Who news and reviews. I am Matthew Toplow. I'm joined as ever by Billy Garrett John. Say hello. Good day. And this week we have an extra special guest <laughs> all the way from the official Josh Snares YouTube channel. It's Josh Snares. Hello. Yay! Would you believe it? It's me. Hi. <laughs> Unbelievable. I am doing amazing. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I am an active rodder. Um, I can't have a week without a a good old rod. So I'm very happy to finally be on the podcast. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, Josh, that kind of filth is not going to fly. I'm sorry. You need to like tone it down a bit. (laughs) That that sort of filth is just not allowed on the podcast. I've never heard anything like that here before. Um, No, welcome, Josh. It's a pleasure. This has been on the cards for us for ages. Like when we started, it was like, who's the one tuber that we don't despise that we want to have on and it's like it's Josh I'm That's so it. happy I made the um, cut yeah it's 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 not a long list but you know you made the cut um also it's review of death's second birthday I couldn't believe it? it when I started putting my notes together it will wow. be our second birthday yeah so yeah. I can't think of a better way to celebrate than wow. having Josh on That's very exciting it shows how far we've come. Oh thank, thank you very you. much happy birthday Billy well um, done yes well done matt well done our baby is too it's not you know it's not falling down the stairs oh why did i say that right so the news it's time for the news um we start of course with the biggest news josh i know in terms of the news i'm so excited (laughs) this is fabulous the biggest news exceptionally well timed uh i'm gonna say that someone at the bbc knew that this was happening and thought, oh, come on, let's let's give them a little bit of something extra. (laughs) I have a feeling I psychically predicted it because I uploaded a video on that day and I was like, I haven't been in the mood to do a YouTube video in ages. And then all of a sudden I was like, no, I want to do this one. So I did it and I uploaded it. And like two hours later, they announced the Underwater Menace animation. So I think Uh, I willed it into the universe. It was all me. I actually, I did it. Yes. And you're welcome. (laughs) Josh is is the is the Omni rumor that is like yeah. you know I have my Polo. Um, <laughs> yeah, we believe it. Um, I mean, most of them are in Australia, aren't they? Maybe. Um, so yeah, the bigger the big announcement was, of course, Underwater Menace out in November. Seemed to come out of nowhere, unless you ignore the Daily Mirror article from January, which suggested we were going to get this. Yeah. And maybe we're also due the smugglers at some point. Who knows? Um, Matt, we were kind of talking about that on messages. You seem to think that maybe we're leaving it a bit too late to get a second animated I mean, recon this year. 
I think if if Underwater Menace is coming out in November, I don't mm. know. I can't imagine them squeezing smugglers into December. I mean, maybe they will. I don't know. But it seems to me, it usually is like one a year. Or if it's two a year, yeah. they're pretty spread out. So maybe this one took a bit longer than they anticipated. Um, but well, it, it did. I mean, the original release of Underwater Menace came out in 2015. That was eight years ago. <laughs> exactly. So it took them bloody ages to get around to it. Um, uh, it wouldn't be the review of Death Without something to complain about. I will just say now, just before we talk a little bit more about it, uh, if you want to flip between the surviving episodes and the reconstruction, like, you know, most people tend to watch the episodes. That's how I do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, you have to put disc one in for the animated reconstruction of episode one, then disc two in to watch surviving episode two and three, and then disc one back in to watch animated episode four. So, you know, they, they, they give us and they take away. Yeah, you know? it's it is annoying. Crazy. I think it's just that thing of uh, the collection set will come out and it'll all be on one disc and you yeah. just, yeah, just yeah. live with it. Exactly. But um, anything's better Josh, than where was the original this? release. It's going to be a hell of a lot better than the original <laughs> release. Um, where was this, Josh, in your sort of like, you know, anticipating things coming out or like your list of things you really wanted to see? I heard like the rumours of it was going to be the underwater menace, but like when it, like the teaser came out, I was like actually taken aback by it. Cause I didn't expect it really. Cause nobody tells me nothing. Cause they know I would just say it on YouTube. I can't keep a secret. <laughs> I hate it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I was surprisingly really excited by the, tra- by the trailer. I thought, oh, this actually looks really good. Um, yeah. but maybe it's just because it's been so long since we've had one now that I'll, I'll take anything. Well, not everything. Mm, that's a, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not uh, not uh, maybe something we're going to move on to later. Maybe, uh, yeah. No, it's um, it, it 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 did sort of come out of left field, but it's nice to see. Um, it did sort of feel like we would do something classic, mm. black and white related, uh, in this 60th anniversary year. Because yeah. in terms of that sort of stuff, it's felt a bit thin on the ground. Yeah. You know, um, yes, it's great to have Doomsday, <laughs> but I really just really want to focus on proper Doctor Who. I don't think anyone's right. ever said uh, it's great to have Doomsday. I think you're the first person to say that. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I was going to ask, is anyone on this call following it? No. <laughs> um, no comment. Um, no comment. Oh! <laughs> a very no, I, way I, of could anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to give um, the comic that came with Doctor Who magazine a go, but even that, I've, I've heard so many you people say it's You couldn't even be bothered you read Doctor Who magazine anyway, and yeah. you couldn't even be bothered I to read. Couldn't even be bothered the, to pick up the, the supplemental and read through it because I've just heard that it's bad. So, oh no, when- that is terrible. <laughs> I mean, Time Lord Victorious was a laugh, but you know this is this is something else. Yeah. This has turned into a bit of a bit of a. I blot, think I think this but, will um, be the the final nail in the coffin of <laughs> let's try and do multimedia things. I think they're probably looking at the stats for this and just going, oh dear, this was a bit of a cock up. But mm, never mind. Yeah, it feels it feels goodwill like to it, all but, those um, who are enjoying it. Of course, of yeah. course, you nutters. Um, the uh, <laughs> Doctor Who at sixty musical celebration was announced. Yeah. Radio Two special. Uh, broadcasting from Millennium Centre in Cardiff in autumn, featuring music from pretty much everybody except K- Kef, uh, which is a very cowardly move, in my opinion. Um, but there you go. Uh, a- another thing that's happening in the other hemisphere that I used to come from. Um, yeah. How does it feel, you know, Josh, I'm, I'm starting to get this now, yeah. to be that far away from everything. Like, it hurts, doesn't it? Oh, uh, nothing happens here. 
Doctor Who doesn't exist in Australia. It doesn't exist at all. It's like, I remember when people were like on Twitter, they were complaining about Gallifrey One being in the US and I'm, and these are like UK fans. I'm like, there's a convention like every single month in the UK. Like, <laughs> grow <Yeah>. up, <laughs> get over it. Like <laughs> I went to my first convention this year for the first time since 2013. We just don't have them. Wow. So and wow. I got to meet Sophie and it was just Sophie there. That was it. So, um, you know, but which was amazing. I had a great time. But mm. yeah, yeah, Billy, nothing happens oh, cool. down here. You miss out on everything. <laughs> Bonkers. It is upsetting. And I mean, also, I mean, if it's like, any consolation, it I'm in the same hemisphere and I can't get to go to the BFI events because <laughs> they sell out too quickly. So, <laughs> yeah, fair. Well, you know, you just have to be quicker on it. It's like Glastonbury, those events. You just got to be quicker on I, the pulse, you know. We, we were on the beach in Italy and I checked Twitter and everyone was like, oh, thank God I got those tickets for the five doctors. I was like, oh. That was today? <laughs> Shit. Oh, well, never mind. Shan't be seeing that. You were at least sunning yourself in Italy. That's, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that I must have been really hard. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I, I mean, I feel like I was winning, to be fair. I mean, I've seen The Five Doctors a million times. It doesn't matter how many new special effects you stick on it. It's still The Five Doctors. <laughs> Those BFI events are great, though. Like, Josh, you should definitely time a visit to the UK mm. with something like that, because they are a laugh. They're really good. Yeah, I'm planning on timing my visit with uh, like a Phantom Events one because I think they're doing oh, like nice. Utopia oh, yeah. next year and that's yeah. roughly when I want to go. But not confirmed yet. I still have to do my passport, which is a nightmare. Just let me in. Mm. Like I watched Doctor Who. I'm basically English. My parents are both English. So but, just let me in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's hard. Yeah. Come on. It's, it's like Australia is populated by English people anyway. Yeah. Like, that's where you guys came from, isn't it? Yeah, well, uh, well we stole of, this land, you know. so, you know. <laughs> well, oh, well, there's that as well. There is that as yeah. well. Um, <laughs> so, publication dates for the ebook editions of the 60th anniversary special novelizations might be an indication of when these episodes are airing. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but yeah. um, they're being published, the ebook editions, on consecutive Mondays from the 27th of November, which suggests we might get the Star Beast on the weekend of the 25th, Wild Blue Yonder on the 2nd of December, and the giggle on the 9th of December uh, does feel a bit weird now thinking it's like almost imminent or we'll start getting dates soon. Mm. And um, I, I guess if they do that as well, it means the gap between the specials and Shooty's first episode is much shorter. So I can yeah. kind of see mm. why they would want to do that. Yeah. And it's around sort of strictly time. Although from what I've seen, it kind of means that Doctor Who might be ending around nine o'clock in the evening, which I think might be kind of the latest that Doctor Who's run until that I can think of. Didn't we have a bit of that during the Capaldi era? I can remember there was uh, just a lot of- because they didn't of... want anyone to watch it though. Well, yeah, but I, yeah, there was like a lot of issues, wasn't there, about people were moaning that saying like, my children can't watch Doctor Who because it's on too late. My children don't want to watch Doctor Who because he's old. <laughs> um, I think might have been more realistic, but there we go. Um, and uh, Matt, something to just briefly touch on. Big Chief Studios yeah. have gone into liquidation. Um, I'm not sure a lot of people know they were responsible for producing, among other things, highly detailed 12-inch yep. Doctor Who figurines. One six um, Your thoughts on that, Matt, and your experiences like working with them? Because you've got your name on some of the boxes as like a consultant. Yeah, um, really sad because now I'm not going to get my season 18 Tom Baker or my Colin Baker <laughs> or my master and all the figures that I worked on. So that's a bit of a kick in the balls. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a real shame. I mean, I, I feel incredibly sorry 
for all the people who have got who had pre-orders with them and are now losing out on insane mm. money because mm. those pre-orders were expensive. And I've seen people saying like, oh, I've lost a grand uh, because of this. And it's so difficult to try it's and why get you don't your- pre-order anything. That's why you don't do it unless <laughs> yeah, it's a Doctor Who yeah. release. Do what I did and ingratiate your way into the company sort of and <laughs> work for them <laughs> and then get, free get shit. all the freebies. Um, yeah, so I mean, in that in that regard, it, it's terrible. And I feel sorry for the guys, you know, working at the company because now they've all lost their jobs. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just crap all round, really. Mm. Shit for the customers, shit for the company. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame because there was some cool stuff that was going to come out and it just won't see the light of day. Uh, and I think from what I've heard, like any stock or anything that was in production just has to go to landfill because mm, my that's God. just the way it all works. So, um, yeah, so don't expect to see any Tom Bakers turning up because that was supposed to come out at the end of the year. So I think that's it. Mm. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, I like the fact that immediately your thought was all my pre-orders, not, those poor sculptors that have lost their jobs. Um, uh, <laughs> they'll find other work. Whatever. Yeah, that's it. They're talented. <laughs> They're very talented people. Mm. Immensely. Immensely. Um, right. Well, there we go. That was the news. Time was that to it? Talk I feel like about... there should have been more. I feel like we have Oh, is that stuff... not enough? <laughs> no. See, I thought, there was, I thought there was more stuff going on. I listened to, I I mean, listened they... to that big finish. There we are. That's news. Oh, there you go. What yeah. did you, uh, Josh? You've listened to a Genius for War as well. Um, yes, I did listen to it. Mm. Do I remember much what of it? What did you think? No, I was. It was <laughs> fine. I, I, I liked a lot of it, but like this whole like arc is just like nothing's happening. Mm. Nothing's going yeah. on. I felt like if it wasn't a part of the Once and Future, I think I would have liked it a lot more. If it was just the Seventh Doctor story, yeah. I think I would have liked it ten times more. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was quite, I sort of forgot, like you said, that it was part of the arc. And then at the end, when they yeah. sort of were like, oh yeah, and this is happening. I was like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> but Terry but Malloy like all the characters it, in it. Yeah. Oh, Terry Malloy was amazing. It's, it, you're right, Matt. It's just frustrating that you, you get to the end of the thing and they're like, by the way, that thing that this whole thing, you know, is like the thrust of this story. Can you tell me anything about it? And the characters literally say, no, we don't. And even if we did, we wouldn't tell you. Yeah. It's like, well, thanks very much. What a, what, no. But the thing is, it wasn't a complete waste of an hour like the other ones sort of felt yeah. more like. Because yeah. like, like you say, Josh, I thought this was it's the best one so far, I think. And oh, I, I enjoyed it independently of the once and future thing. But then, you know, as soon as you get a reference of there's a bloke in a diamond in the sky and I've got to find out why I'm flitting between regenerations and you're yeah. not Patrick Triton. You know, <laughs> that is the kind worst of a bit thing. Like, it's as soon as he starts talking, I'm like, who's he? And I'm like, oh yeah. wait, that's, that's meant to be Patrick Triton. Right. Okay. It, that throws me. It's just like, just use the ones that are alive, yeah. <laughs> please. Mm. Mm-hmm. Although Tim Trelaw, well, Tim Trelaw, he gets a pass because he's very good. Yes. He's lovely as well. Tim Trelaw is good fun. Um, well, from one uh, poorly rendered second Doctor to another, uh, it is the web of fear. Now, the reason we're doing this is I've because got, it's I've been got, two I've years. On. Well done. <laughs> Get your out for the lads. There you go. Um, yeah, the reason we're doing this is because it's two years since the web of fear uh, animation came out. Yeah. And 
uh, we we said it in the first episode. We were basically we were very coy about it, but we basically asked each other, "Have we downloaded? Have we pre-ordered it?" And we both said no. Yeah. Um. And it was the first Doctor Who related bit of you know guff that I bought in New Zealand. I was like, "Oh, I got to get it at some point. We're going to talk about it." And it just seemed to make sense. It was written into Josh's contract. We had to talk about a missing episode. Um, and so here we are. Um, this is my first time watching the reconstruction. Josh, I imagine you've had a bit more time to let it kind of, you know, sink in, like what you've actually witnessed. Unfortunately, this is like the third or fourth time I have done it. I thought like the last time that was the last time ever. And then, of course, you forced me to do it again. <laughs> you had a gun to my head and said, we're doing Web of Fear. Um, so, mm. yeah, unfortunately, I've seen it too many times. Too many times it's healthy. Um, Matt, yes. uh, what was your your history with this? Like, did you Matt, get it in the kind of intervening years between then and, and now? Or What, the animated version? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. I still haven't got the animated version. <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to happen. Right. So what did you what did you do, your little turncoat? How did you watch this? Oh, I just watched the, the original release that came out in 2013. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, this, this is what I have to work with, Josh. This is why but, but no I one did. told me that was um, an option. I would have done that. I would have watched the Tony Stark recall. I would have like, done that. On. I would have saved myself. I just thought, well, if you're going you, you're going to put yourselves through it, I might as well watch the sort of normal, <laughs> decent version. Um, to be fair, I did go. Oh, I, I went Christ. straight on YouTube and I watched as many clips of it as I could find mm-hmm. to try and get a feel for what you guys were going through. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's let, let's talk about it. It's, it's the elephant in the room. Let's get it out of the way. Yeah. Um, we can blame the Australians for this as well, because it was an Australian yeah. studio called Shapeshifter that helmed the animation. Uh, and they had previously worked on The Tenth Planet and Fury from the Deep, I believe, doing some sort of like last minute bits and bobs. Um, not obviously animating Fury from the Deep or The Tenth Planet from the ground up, but yeah. they did some work on those. Um, what was your reaction, guys, when you first saw the trailer? Because I thought, you know, it's a it's a... It's an interesting idea. Um, and that's sort of where it ends, really, isn't it? Uh, like, it's an interesting idea. <laughs> um, where do we start? Like, uh, where, where? I when I first saw it, I, I was in shock at first because I couldn't believe this was like an official release. Mm. The problem with it is that it's clear that it's a production company's first go at it. It feels like a yeah. test, and mm. I think. I'm not against 3D. I'm not against the approach. It's just, I don't think the models are up to scratch. It just doesn't look right. It looks... Yeah. My first thought was Roblox and it hasn't really gone away. Mm. Um, There's just a lot of, like, even when it comes to like the motion capture, like the movements are too much because they're like, Mm. oh, we need to move. We need to have constant movement. It's an animation. But then they overdo it. It's just like, I, I think like the sets look great. I think the direction is somewhat good, but, and, mm. and I like the fact that it exists in a 3D space because the original does. So you can move cameras and stuff like that. You can have, you can match things better, but it's just the character models that just are not there. Mm. And I, many times they look terrifying. Like poor Anne Travers. If, if that actor's oh still God. alive, I'd sue. If that was me, I'd be like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my word, um, Matt! What 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 was what was your recollection and and kind of watching the clips that you did? What what, what was your feeling on it? I mean, to to try and start off with a positive, I, I agree with Josh. Like the 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 sets look great, mm. 
Um, probably because they're static and <laughs> they don't require human faces. Um, they look great. And yeah, the camera movement, it feels like when you compare it to some of the other animations, it gives mm -hmm. it a, a lot of fresh air and a burst of life that you just don't get with the other ones because they're so flat. Uh, so I liked that. But yeah, as soon as you start looking at the faces of characters and they start moving, you know, at times when they move in a way that they're required to move, like, oh, we're pointing at this thing or whatever, you think that's fine. And it, it feels fairly fluid and you're like, okay, I, I can get along with this. But then it's like Josh said, as soon as they're just like, oh shit, we're filling time so quick, just move our arms around. It's just like, it's like puppets on a string. It's like someone, yeah. it's like someone's doing Thunderbirds mm. and had a stroke partway through and the strings are just going like this. And, and it's just like, what? So, I mean, I think, I think as an idea, it has legs. I think, you know, if they could finesse it, I wouldn't be completely against seeing them having another go at this. Yeah. Mm. But I think it needs to be like, it needs to be like this story. It needs to be an episode that's in isolation. So it needs to be, you know, they could have done it with the crusade basically. Yeah. You know, that would have been a good time to sort of say, well, let's try it. Um, but I guess, you know, it was cheaper and easier and going to get less flack if they just did a screen grab reconstruction. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I to think that whole statement started with, I'll start with a positive. And then um, it's but, just sent <laughs> That's the thing, though. I think as soon as you start to un unpack it, it just, the, 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 the criticism just builds. I mean, yeah. like, aesthetically, the first thing I thought was, it looked like uh, this old PlayStation 2 yeah. uh, game of Pop yeah. Idol that I used to play uh, on the PS2. It's like frightening. Um, they, I, I thought actually, I thought the likenesses looked okay, except Deborah Watling. Um, I, I'm, I, something I thought somebody pointed out in the, in the review of Death Discord, Jeremy, I think it was, suggested that it seems to be the character models from uh, Fury from the Deep wrapped around 3D yes. kind of meshes. Yeah. Um, which I think is the problem. It's like it's not being designed from the ground up to be a 3D model, um, which seems to be an issue. Um, I, I, there isn't just one issue, you know. It's like not only does it not look good as a single frame, as we've all said, the movement is crazy um, because they've overcompensated given the fact that the models can only blink and move their mouths. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, everyone just looks really edgy and really freaked out. You know, there's instances where hands are clipping through each other, like yeah. different characters are sort of like clipping through one another. Um, and so you're kind of left wondering, like, why? Why was this done? And again, it's been mentioned. I think it, I, this is a test. It's a test to see, can you do it with no money and no time? And I would rather them have done this in their own time and not put it on a disc and then given it to us. Like, you know, if yeah. you want to figure out if you can do it, figure it out first yeah. because it's, it, it's, it's come out and it, and it doesn't work, um, which is, is frustrating. Um, I watched the making of on the Blu-ray uh, where the, I think he was the creative director of the studio was, was talking about it. I'm really struck by the wording he was using. He was saying stuff like, you know, about how time consuming and costly it is to create traditional 2D cartoons and how the new motion capture system is going to change all of that. Mm. And it's an admirable thing to say, but only from the perspective of the people investing in the reconstructions. Yes. Like, not the consumer who gets given a subpar product yeah. compared to the previous previous efforts. Um, because 
traditional 2D animation takes time because it looks, it, what you end up with looks better than this. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I mean, I feel like we, 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 can't, we can't just move on that quickly from <laughs> talking about the animation, but... <laughs> You know, yeah. has anybody else got anything to say about it? The, the, you know, the, I, the, the Yeti look better in the, I don't know if it's loose cannon reconstruction, but in the photo reconstruction, the animated Yeti and that look better than they do in the cartoon. Yeah, they do. Yeah. It's bonkers. Yeah. I think Is Skinner I, I, worked on that. Um, all the CG stuff in uh, there, that's Is Skinner. Um, do you remember that Wheel in Space, um, like it was like cut into like the style of Alien on YouTube? That's them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, right. um, okay. Wow. Yeah, okay. so all of that stuff looks great. They did some stuff on the Abominable Snowman as well, and that looks really good as well. Um, mm. But yeah. I Sorry. think going back to what you said, Billy, about the, um, you know, doing it as a test, I imagine that it was one of those instances where they had, you know, the only way they could afford to do the test was, well, we yeah. need the budget from mm. an actual release, so we're going to just have to bite the bullet and see what comes out the other end. Mm. Poo. Poo, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, this, is a, this is a broader conversation about, about the Web of Fear, so we'll park the animation for now, I think. We've kind of given it as much flack as I think it's due. <laughs> um, let's not kick a, a dead horse while it's down. Um, so, obviously, this, this is missing, partly missing. Yep. Uh, Friday, the 11th of October, 2013. I still think one of the best days to be a Doctor Who fan in the last couple of years. Yeah. It was revealed nine completely missing, previously, not completely, but previously partly missing episodes of Doctor Who have been found. Do you remember when the news broke? Where were you? <laughs> I can't remember. At home, I guess. Yeah, I think it would have been at school. I remember waiting for them to drop on iTunes, but I don't remember the original announcement. Yeah, yeah the yeah. iTunes one's funny because I remember, you know, you have to watch it immediately. Yes. I'm not going to wait for the DVDs to come out because yeah. I don't yeah. think we had a re- release date for the DVDs at that point. No, I'm I don't sure. think so. But no. um, they were like, they're going to be on iTunes straight away. So my dad jerry-rigged something that connected his iPod Classic to the TV <laughs> with like component cables. And we watched, we binged all of Enemy yeah. of the World and all of The Web of Fear, which is a terrible thing to do. Um, absolutely awful. And, you know, given the fact that Enemy of the World comes first, and I'm sure there is some aspect of this in, in the way people were, were viewing it at the time, that Enemy of the World kind of came out better in most people's appreciation than um, Web of Fear did. Yeah. Because yeah. Web of Fear has always been held up, you know, in this very lofty position. But then because you know, Enemy of the World really shocked people, like, not shocked people is the wrong word, but surprised people and people went, hey, this is a lot better than people have given it credit for. Yeah. Um, I certainly remember that being the reaction. Yeah, I could, I've got more vivid memories of watching the iTunes downloads because it was here in this house, so this is my brother's house, my nephew had just been born and um, he was upstairs and my brother was like, right, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking after the baby. But we were downstairs in the front room watching Enemy of the World. <laughs> and every so often a baby would come in and be sat on his lap and we'd be watching the story. So my poor sleep deprived brother was watching Enemy of the World um, whilst looking after a newborn. 
Parenting 101. Thank God they've turned up so well-rounded. Yeah. Um, that's the exposure to black and white Doctor Who. That's what it'll do to you. Um, and and, so and he episodes- loves Patrick Troughton stories. We watched... Uh, we So we were in Italy last week on holiday. We watched episodes one and two of the Moon Base in our Airbnb. <laughs> so... Episodes two, four, five, and six were recovered from a stockroom in a Nigerian TV relay station, you know, which is where the best TV is found, let's be honest. Um, but episode three was yeah. reportedly stolen by a private collector en route to the UK. Whoever you are, I hope you're proud of yourself because you're the reason this animated reconstruction exists. What a sad um, little life, Jane. I- <laughs> what a sad little life you lead. <laughs> so according to Philip Morris, after news of his find leaked, some private collector made contact with a staff member at the Nigerian TV station, made them an offer to have episode three sent to them separately. Um, mm. Apparently because it's the break's first appearance in the series. Yeah. Um, uh, sure. <laughs> Fine. Um, I mean, it makes I, sense. You know, are it? we going to see it? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, are, are we going to see it at some point? I mean, there's been lots of chatter about private collectors, um, you know, uh, holding on to, uh, episodes of Doctor Who do you think you know what would it take is it going to take the BBC dip, dipping into their pockets and going right here you go here's, here's many thousands of many pounds give it to us I think it's hard with private collectors because it's not always about money a lot of the time mm. it's it's due to the fact that no one else has it and they like that factor so let's say if I had a film copy of a missing film or something or another iconic TV show I could trade that for the Web of Fear 3 and they'd be happy with that. But when you're talking like money, it doesn't always translate because for them, it's not really about the material on it. It's the fact that no one else has it and that's it. So I don't know who took Web of Fear 3. Who knows if it was even there? Who knows if it was even like stolen? It could have just been lost in transit. I've been hearing that a lot recently that it was just literally just lost in transit. But it's a more interesting Mm. story that someone stole it. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the truth is, um, but hopefully it comes back. I don't know. I, I hope a private collector did <clears throat> did take it, because if it did just get lost in transit, that would be yeah, that the sucks. worst possible thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just got lost again. Yeah. It, 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 like, it happens. Stuff gets lost oh, in the mail, mm. so who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're cursed. These they, nobody was meant to see any of these stories. Maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. there's a reason. Maybe yeah. they're you know they're just lost media is lost media for a reason because it's you know got a, a hex on it or some shit. Maybe, Maybe we're just never meant to see these things. Um, so the, the story itself, like I said, I remember when it came out. You know, everybody's always held up the Web of Fear as being this you know monolith mm. uh, of the Second Doctor's era, and I kind of remember when it came out, people going, "Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's a Second Doctor run around base under siege sort of thing." And so I, I went into this with a bit of a clearer sort of, you know, uh, I didn't really have an opinion, actually, on The Web of Fear before I started watching it for this review. Um, and I don't know if I have that strong of an opinion on it either way coming out of the other end of it. It's, I think it's grand, but I don't see the, the legacy that it carries particularly um, now that we've found most of it. Um, it's a big runaround. I think it feels a bit disjointed and I can't quite get a handle on what the plot is supposed to be beyond Yetis in the underground. Mm. Um, uh, I don't know. What do you, Matt, you've got a Yeti t-shirt on. I assume that you're a fan. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. How, oh, I got I got this when the BBC shop shut down, so uh, I got it for like a fiver. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I, I mean, I, I really like it. I, I, I love it, but it's, I guess it, it's one of those things where it, you probably had to be there as a kid watching it for it to mm. really have the impact. And I think what the story does well is the atmosphere that's what really mm. sells this story more so than the plot because like you said the plot is pretty wafer thin and mm. i think that really shows when you get to episode 6 because once you get to episode 6 all of the all of the build up and all of the mystique and all of the oh you know could they be working for the great intelligence are they the intelligence all that stuff which i think is really well done and i mean douglas camfield directs this story beautifully but then you get to episode six and it's just like right here's all the players in one brightly lit room and it's just like oh shit we need to finish this story up because we've got the next one coming in next week so uh and then it's just like oh here's a load of yetis they go a bit bonkers and oh no the intelligence escaped oh crumbs <laughs> well off we go <laughs> And it's just like, oh, that's really anticlimactic. And I didn't really get the intelligence's plan of just like, oh, I want to suck the doctor's brains out. Well, you're, well, you're I mean, a great speak intelligence. For and you, yeah. All right for some, eh? Um, I, you're right, Matt. I, I mean, I, Josh, can you tell either of us? I, I, this really confused me. So they go on the whole story about there's somebody working for the intelligence here mm. at underground. And, you know, obviously they pick on the Welsh guy first and then they go to um, staff because he's the most menacing looking out of all of them yeah. and gets the most kind of close-ups. And then it's the Mr. Chorley or whatever his name is, the the reporter. Yeah. Um, do we actually find out who was planting that stuff in the first place? Was it staff the whole time and I'm just being daft or what, what, I think what was, was going on there? I, I think yeah. it was staff because right, okay. there was like a reference like earlier on where where they tried to like put like him a red herring, but it was a bit more like specific. It was something on the lines of like, oh, how did you know that was there? And he was like, oh, I just guessed or something like that. And then I think yeah. at that point right. they were very much, he's, it's the only red herring where it's like, oh, actually that was like, doesn't make any sense for him to know that. Yeah. So mm. I think it was him the whole time, but it is a bit confusing. I think the problem with the Weber fear, it's legacy, is because I think it suffers from the Space Museum syndrome where the first episode is mm. one of the best episodes of Doctor Who of all time. It is so yeah. well directed. It has so much atmosphere. Mm. And yeah, it doesn't always make a whole lot of sense. Like the stuff of the TARDIS with the web taking it over and stuff like that. I get a bit confused what's actually happening, but it's so yeah. good. And all the character stuff is so great. That you're like, wow, I can't wait. I, I wish the rest of the story survived. Yeah. Because we mm. had episode one for so long since we had it since um, 1978. Like we've had Web of Fear episode one for a long time. So I think it just had a big legacy because that first episode. I think of Space Museum, if it was losing those three episodes, people would be clamoring for the Space Museum to come back. And now no one wants <laughs> any of it. And they won't even no. put it on behind the sofa. They don't give a shit. Uh, so. Oh, yeah, they skipped that one, didn't they? Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> uh, but I, um, I, I mean, yeah, like you said, episode one is fantastic. That whole sequence, um, I don't know if it's in, is it in a museum or is it in that guy's house? Um, 
Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a private to, collection. It's going to be the British Museum. Private collection. Yeah, oh. a, oh, uh, tells you go. everything, That's doesn't it? Quite well. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only one of those film cans would roll off the shelf and knock somebody on the head and then, you know, <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we'd get it back. Um, yeah, it's. It, I think it was going to be, like everybody turned Doctor Who down for the story. The, the London Transport turned them down to mm. use the underground for film sequences. And then I think it was the Natural History Museum said, absolutely not, we're not bringing a fucking Yeti in here. Um, probably because the material it's made out of would give everybody, every, you know, actual animal in there some horrible disease and eat all its food. Yeah, it's, they're, they're um, probably more mothballed and eaten than the actual exhibits. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I think that, you know, as is the way with a lot of these stories that don't quite work for me, I think the trouble is the villain, really. The central villain. Yeah. The Yeti are the foot soldiers, you know. Yeah. But the, the great intelligence, you know, we've said like already, like, what is their motivation? What is the plan? What's the Doctor trying to prevent? Because, mm. you know, it doesn't have a presence when it's not inhabiting somebody. So it kind of feels intangible. Yeah. Um, and I get that's why you have the Yeti, but they, they don't do anything except stomp around and knock people on the head. You know, they're, they're a classic monster. Yeah. And the images of them in the underground are obviously iconic. And you, you were talking about episode one being, you know, a, a peerless bit of telly. And it, I, I totally agree. I remember when it, the iTunes one came out, the moment where I was like, Anna, this is this is cracking, is episode four when you get the film sequence with the army and the Yeti mm. fighting in Covent Garden. And that is like peak Douglas Camfield. It's peak classic Doctor Who from that era. And... I think that's some of the best material that was recovered ultimately from this story yeah. is actually being able to see yeah. that. It's so epic. And it's obviously, you know, we'll maybe mention it later with the appearance of a certain character, but it is the template for what happens in 1970 yeah. with the Doctor being stranded on Earth and, and Unit coming to the fore. Um, but it is weird that but, they use Cybermen music over the Yeti. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> totally threw me off. What is going on? Because the use of the um, music in this story is really, really good. It's very, mm. very atmospheric. Because um, it's all stock music, I think. Um, yeah, there's a couple of moments where it doesn't. It feels a bit incongruous. It feels sort of like you know, I'll just you know, we've come to the end of a scene. Just turn the vinyl record down a, yeah. a bit. You know, nothing begins and ends in a scripted or composed fashion. It does feel a bit, you know. All the all the soundscapes are different. All the you know all the yeah. textures and sounds are a bit different. But um, but I mean like that, the um, stuff in yeah. the the stuff in the collector's house like that is scored so well. Yeah. Um, and it just I mean obviously it's shot beautifully. It's probably one of the mm. best looking bits of sixties Doctor Who. It just looks amazing. Um, but I think that that music was actually used in The Shining as well later on. Mm. So maybe Stanley Kubrick uh, more was effectively a here, Doctor I would Who argue. fan. Pardon? I would, yeah, I can only imagine. I would say it's more effective here than in The Shining, but uh, yeah. You know, yeah. this, this this is a lot creepier than The Shining. Yeah, who cares about um, The Shining? Yeah. Yeah, who cares about The Shining? We've got something that's scarier looking like no the animated the reconstruction that's of episode the... three. No, yeah. that's true. There are no Yeti in The Shining. Um, the setting, you know, it, it the, the design for this, I think, is exceptional. Like, yeah. the location stuff especially, and you know, as is often the way when Doctor Who blends studio sequences with recorded film it's so jarring you know moving from videotape to 16 mil or whatever they were shooting on um but because it you know the lighting in this it's all it's literally just blacks and whites you know mm. there's there's very little shades of gray in there it just knits it together so brilliantly like the stuff of the soldiers in the underground on you know videotape in the studio and then you cut down 
to the other end of the tunnel and the Yeti are coming down on film. It, it, it knits together fabulously. Yeah. Um, but I, it was nice to get above ground in episode four. Uh, I do feel like it gets a bit cramped and a bit, you know, yeah, a bit too confined through the story. Yeah. I mean, it's it works when it works. I think it's one of these stories where maybe six episodes is just too much for, yeah. for, for the little plot that there is. Six episodes just seems to be like, okay, right, we're just trudging water a bit here. I think because it was probably written so fast because the abominable snowman happened, they were like, let's bring back the Yeti in like what, yeah. two or three serials times. So yeah. I think there wasn't much time yeah. to think of, oh, how can we make the plot thicker? And let's be real, like Padma Samovar in like abominable snowman really didn't have that much of a plan until yeah. like mm. a few episodes, like what, episode four or five. And they were like, oh, I'm going to destroy the world now. And it's like, oh, is that what you're planning on doing? I'm mm. going to explode this mountain for some reason, you know? So I think yeah. the great intelligence, I don't really know what their deal is in general. Mm. No. And I don't really feel like they've got much of a, much of a MO when they come back in the new series. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're just vaguely no. menacing, but I'm yeah. all for it. Um, it's not a complaint. <laughs> it's just an observation. Uh. Yeah. And, and, and Going back to Padma Sambhavar, if I pronounce that correctly, yeah, well much done. a much better character and a much better representation for the intelligence than um, Staff Arnold, I think. Yeah. I think that whole sequence in The Abominable Snowmen where the Doctor has that sort of battle of wills um, and, you know, is all windy and stormy and whatever um, in the monastery. You compare that to episode six of this where... Staff mm. Arnold's just suddenly dropped his accent and it feels like he's just doing his best to try and speak RP. He's like, hello, I am the yeah. great intelligence yeah. and I'm going to take your brain, doctor. And I was just like, wow, this is really, this feels quite lame. It's, yeah. it's such a shame. Well, that, it's, it's, Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Interesting thing about, about that is, I, I forget the name of the, the fellow who plays Staff Arnold, but he it, it was... He spoke, that was his natural speaking voice. So I think what he wanted to do was have an accent through the episode that to, is completely different. So that yeah. when eventually he turns into the intelligence, because on the Blu-ray, they've got, they've got reels of him doing different voice takes, really? like, oh. different variations on like, oh, this is what maybe this, this character could sound like. Mm. And his son kept these reels and it's him practicing the lines at home doing different voices for the great intelligence, which is really neat. That's cool. Um, wow, that's amazing that something is. like that survives. Yeah. I know. That's why you should have got the bloody Blu-ray, Matt. It's worth it for that <laughs> alone. Ah, I'll wait for um, the collection set. It'll be all on there. <laughs> <laughs> it will. Of course it will. Um, we might even have episode yeah, three by that point. We can only hope. Let's cross our fingers. <laughs> um, there is a great collection of characters in the story. You've already spoken about uh, Staff Arnold, um, who, are, you know, is is, is grand. Um but even the you know the soldiers that usually get shafted in these mm. stories and are given nothing interesting to do are, are in this story full of life and you know memorable. Yeah. Obviously, you've got um, Jack Watling as Travers, who plays an older Travers 
so well. So well. Yeah, like, I love... I, it's so cool. Um, and it's and great a when you watch moment. Downtime because it, it, it's like... <laughs> It just works beautifully. You know? Yeah, it aligns. It's like, wow, he hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, I have. I forgot he was in downtime. Um, uh, Mr. Chorley, who's the reporter, he's a slimy bugger. And, yeah, you he's know, great. It's it is a it is a bit like that kind of who done it thing where, you know, there's plenty of people that could be either taken over by the great intelligence, and it's like, oh no, gutted that character's died. We've lost them. Or it's Chorley, and it's like, fucking yeah, we knew he was a wrong one from the start. Yeah. You know? Um. Uh, Driver Evans, who's obviously a proper boyo and provides much of the comic relief, constantly calling himself stupid, yeah. um, which, you know, is that classic thing. Obviously, somebody English has written this, putting down the Welsh. Um, <laughs> in fact, at one point, Pat calls him a stupid Welsh imbecile, I think. Yes, I noticed um, that. I was like, oh. <laughs> yes, he does, yeah. <laughs> I was like, come on, bloody hell. Uh, Welsh representation in Doctor Who has got so much better. We can be really thankful for that. <laughs> um, and, of course, Nicholas Courtney. Um, mm. or, uh, with his first appearances as not Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart, Colonel Lethbridge Stewart. Mm. Um, how do we feel about his inclusion in this story? Because, I mean, obviously he's not the Brig, and obviously you know nobody there has any idea what you know legacy this character is going to have. But you know, there is something about him that makes me think. Out of everybody here, he's the person I want to see come back, yeah. or he's the person I could see they might have looked at and gone, "This dude's got legs," yeah. you know. We, we can do some more stuff with him. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think for a character that really feels on paper, like they've been written into this script just to be like, oh, this is the one that we need to put all the suspicion on. Because the whole thing is like, oh, he just comes out of nowhere and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And I think even Nick sort of plays it in such a way that it's quite a, quite a refined performance and he doesn't give a lot... Um, you know, mm. again, obviously to really build up the suspicion on his character. But what he does manage to do is that with certain lines and certain things, he just gives it like a little bit of a twinkle. I, I don't know how best to describe mm. it, but he's just certain lines come out and there's a sparkle in his eyes or a little smirk. And it's like, wow, he, there's a lot of character there that we're not seeing on the paper um, that he's injecting mm. into it. And I think that's really what probably made people go, yeah. He can. He could come back. He's he's got legs, like you said. I think one of the things where I was like, oh, he's definitely coming back. Where he works in Doctor Who is that he's different to different people in the army. There was a bit where the Doctor wants the TARDIS back. He wants it, him to get it, and he's yeah. like, I don't believe you what you're talking about, but it's an option, and I'm going to take any option I can. Mm. And that is a yeah. through line from the from Day Dot to the Brigadier at the end, where he's like, I don't get it. I don't believe you, but it's our chance. So we may as well yeah. take it. So I yeah. thought that was smart. And I think that's why the Brigadier probably, or Colonel Lethbridge Stewart, stands out in the story because he has a different approach. Yeah. Definitely. I, I, and that scene in particular, Josh, like when, because Colonel, uh, not Colonel, Captain Knight, uh, Knight is there yeah. as well. And it's almost like, you know, obviously we're saying this retrospectively, but it's almost like you could take that as an audition for which one of these two is going to become a long-running character. Mm. And obviously it's the one that unequivocally is like, <clears throat> well, look, sure, you've got a blue box. Let's go and check it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, it's like, oh, right. So he is the one that the Doctor's like, right, you've got more more of a, you know, creative way about you or whatever it yeah. is. You know, this is something different yeah. about you. Um, yeah. Uh, on that, Pat is is on his holes for episode two. 
Uh, <laughs> that's why he isn't there. Bloody sunning himself, bloody chancer in Ibiza. Um, <laughs> and that means it robs us with our first encounter between the Doctor and the Brigadier because it happens off screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, the, the first time we see the pair, the Briggs already apprehended him. Plenty of, you know, um, real estate there for Big Finish to uh, put in a, a nine-part box set where they go off on adventures between being apprehended off screen in episode two and appearing in episode three. Um, let's cross our fingers. It happens, eh? Um, what, yeah. So what, what else? What else have we, have we got, gang? What else are we thinking? Uh, and Travers. She's excellent. She's a great mm. character. And that and whole, that whole yeah. sequence where, you know, Captain Knight and the other soldier sort of tease her about being a scientist and she mm. just really, you know, gives it to them in such a, such a great way. Like, yeah, you know, what a great character. I'm surprised she never came back either, to be honest. Well, they wanted her to mm. in the invasion, but I think she was oh, really? busy. And that's and that's why we got... Well, what was her replacement character? Who's the one wearing the feather boa? You know, the photographer. Oh, God. That's what oh, the role yeah. was going to be. Um, oh, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think she would have been really great. Because like her and Pat are like flirting so much near the end of the story and the yeah. chemistry between them is so mm. good. And um, yeah, yeah the... Yeah, the, the yeah. little girl wants to be a scientist. They'd call it woke if that was on TV now. They'd be like, oh, cancel Doctor Who. It's so woke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I loved Anne Travis. I wish she did come back. It feels it feels weird that she didn't. Yeah. Hmm. You, you could even sort of imagine her being like Liz Shaw, really. You know? mm. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. She could have she could have had a real career at Unit. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Um, there's a lovely bit on the on the whole Travis thing, there's a lovely bit when, because um, obviously you know it's it's no secret. I'm sure lots of people know that Jack Watling, who plays Travis, is uh, Deborah Watling's real life dad. Um, and there's that lovely bit where he bursts into like the room that Jamie and Victoria are getting interrogated in, and Jamie immediately has got his kind of hackles up and he's having a go at him and they're mm. having a yelling match. And Jamie doesn't realise who he is. And there's such a lovely smile on. Deborah Watling's face when she realizes who it is. Yeah, it's just such a lovely little touch um, that I yeah I love that. I, it was a really really nice little moment, um, and it helps you know there's a, there's obviously a chemistry there because they know each other. Yeah, um, so that's lovely to see. Um, I just love story, how Harry's you know, such a curmudgeonly old bastard, Jack Travis. He's like, oh, television, never watch it. Oh, pro- the world's probably going to end, but, you know, we'll do what we can. And he's just he's great. All that, that uh, stubborn old goat, Shut all up. that stuff is just yeah. so good. Fabulous. It's so cool. Yeah, it manages, what, what this story does do well is the, everyone always remembers it for, you know, being atmospheric and spooky and, you know, claustrophobic. But the comedy is great in this story. Oh, There's yeah. some really lovely moments. Um, I mean, like you said, uh, the Welsh guy uh, and obviously Jack Watling. And yeah, it's just brilliant. Uh, something, again, I, I'm not overly kind of massive on is because of the subterranean setting, as I sort of said earlier, like it's nice when you finally get out in episode three, episode four, sorry, and it's like, oh, right, daylight. Oh my God, this is brilliant. Um, you don't really ever get a sense of how things have been impacted across London. Like, I know you have the scene where they're going through the slides and the Briggs, you know, I mean, obviously I'm watching the the animated version, so he's gesturing wildly um, <laughs> with his arm. But um, it's, <laughs> all of that, dabbing crazy. Um, so, you know, there's all, all of that going on. But you know, I, I don't ever really feel like you get a sense, that, like with the invasion, you know, where 
the streets are deserted mm. and you get all these fantastic shots of, of Cybermen going right. You never really get a, a sense of how this has impacted London beyond the underground getting shut down. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's just that oh, that guy, isn't it? The old man. The old bloke who's yeah. been bukkake mm. yeah. Getting <laughs> um, <laughs> I had to get it in there. I had to get it in there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I've got much else, gang. Like, what, what? Anybody got any interesting tidbits they want to bring up or bits um, and bobs? The new Yeti are a definite improvement, I think, compared to mm. before. And I think the whole... What is the Tritons era? What is the, its fascination with foam and bubbles and stuff? Yeah. yeah. What is that about? We When we were watching it, we are like, God, the Triton era really loves bubbles and bubble bath foam. What's that about? <laughs> it's probably because it's just become cheap for them to buy yeah, in bulk. Yeah, was it, was the, it new? The visual effects department. <laughs> was this yeah. a new thing? It's like the bubble wrap in uh, Ark in Space and everyone's yeah. like, what's this new space age material? We have to make everything out of it now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, bubble wrap's been around for ages. Shut up. Come on. Go on, Josh, what have you got? Um, I wrote as well, I thought a weird parallel, which I've never noticed before, is that in the TARDIS, Victoria is wearing a dress and she found it in the TARDIS wardrobe. And then I was like, oh, in Pyramids of Mars, uh, Sarah finds Victoria's dress. So the question is, mm. whose dress is Victoria wearing? Ah, Oh, is it some shit. weird timey wimey thing that it's Sarah? It's somehow it's Sarah's dress, and they just switched. It's a big finished audio right there. Any second now, they're yeah. going to publish that. So we'll finally We're get an blown answer. this shit wide open. Mm. You've heard it here first. The review of Death Podcast. That's mad. That, I mean, and what does that do to unit dating? Yeah, your dog. Yeah, lesbian dating. Crazy. Think about it. Coming <laughs> 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 soon for big finished productions. Yeah. <laughs> I want a producer credit. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> you got it. Why was Chorley allowed to be down there as a journalist? Like, surely it would be under uh, wraps. Was that ever explained? No, I don't really get that. I, no. I mean, I think, I don't know where I read this, so maybe I made it up, but I think there's something I read online about he was going to be like a, a politician that's been sort of like given, uh, you know, he has to represent shit down there. Right. And then at the last minute it was changed from him being a politician because immediately he would have been suspicious and been a scumbag. Yeah. But it, I think it's like, you know, uh, I, I, it must have changed last minute to him being a reporter, but he makes some mention, I think in the story of like, out of all the reporters in London, probably, because you'd imagine just London has news reporters at that time. Um, out of all the reporters, I was chosen to be down here and cover it. And he got voted on by like loads of people. I, th okay. I think that's mentioned. Okay. That's fine. I wasn't paying attention. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that cleared up. Um, it's obviously, as we said, it's a, it's a huge, huge story. And it's, it's one that looms large in its own legend and in Doctor Who's sort of canon generally. It was really interesting going back to it, not just obviously to kind of laugh at the animation um, and watch that in context because... You know, it's such a funny little nugget in Doctor Who's like reconstructed history yeah. that you know they 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 gave it a really good go uh, and never never tried it again. Um, yeah, you know, which is a sh it's it's a shame in many respects. But then you have to look at I've just paid what fifteen twenty dollars for this. Um, I who's think lost that here really. You know. I, I like to believe that as each animation, it gets better and better. 
but I've noticed with some of mm. the releases, it's kind of like a roller coaster. Like yeah. some of them are better than some mm. of them are not. And it's like, because I remember when like Power of the Daleks came out, I was like, oh, it's just going to get better and better. Because I thought Sharda was an improvement. I thought Macro was a huge improvement. And then yeah. I felt with some, some of them are like ups and downs. So I'm like, in theory, mm. if the Web of Fear team, like Shapeshifter Studios got to do another one, would it be better or would it be more of the same? Or would it somehow be worse? Because yeah. like a lot of people complain about the Fury from the mm. Deep animation, but I think that's light years ahead of the Galaxy 4 one. I think oh, they gotcha. really oh, yeah. stepped back. I don't know. Because yeah. I was re-watching a bit of it and I was like, what happened? <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> um, but I yeah. think the problem with Galaxy 4, and I, I'm a little bit worried that Underwater Menace might be a bit like this, it just feels mm. quite flat. It just doesn't yes. feel yes. like there's any depth for it. Uh, and, and Abominable Snowman was kind of the same. Mm. It just felt like you had these big sets, but everything just felt very flat and... yeah. Kind of lifeless. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, I, I, I will always stand by. I know that obviously it helps for maybe selling them internationally if they want to put them on TV. But I don't understand this thing about this aversion to doing the animations in four by three. Because yeah. I think the problem is when you've got character models that, you know, maybe you don't want to get too close up to them or, you know, you've only got so much space to use. Surely you're making your. Th- making it easier for yourself by just bringing it oh, yeah. down into this sort of square box. And also, you know, there's, there's, it might challenge them a bit more, you know? Um, I just sort of feel like this, this 16 by nine thing kind of kneecaps it a bit. Yeah. And yeah. that's why it feels a bit lifeless because they've got so much more screen real estate to, that they need to, you know, animate and make come to life. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean, Matt. I, I, I'm getting a bit of a jitters over it. I think it's, I think it's those shots of like, the TARDIS team walking out of the box and it's just so much space either side of the screen. Now, whether that's because they are going to do a black and white four by three version of it, I I don't know. Right. But it's like optimize it for one or the other because, you know, you become painfully aware, like a lot of TV back in the day where you'd have like lower thirds appearing on the uh, bottom of the screen and you know that they're doing it so they can crop it into four by three or, you know, if, if you can only accept that kind of a signal. Yeah. It's that same sort of thing. It just doesn't quite mesh for me. Uh, like when we were shooting Might of the Daleks, I we initially were like, should we do 16 by 9 safe? So that way we could do a colour 16 by 9 version. But we would mm. have to sacrifice so much in order to mm. do it. And I was like, let's just do it 4 by 3 black and white. And it's intentional. And because like our set designer doesn't like black and white stuff. And I was like... This doesn't, I, I was like, all right, I'll do an edit for you. And then I looked at a few shots and I was like, I can't fix this because when yeah. you're shooting in black and white, like you're shoving light on people to get really harsh contrast. And then as soon as you put it in color, yeah. everything's so bright and happy. And the story wasn't yeah. a bright and happy story. And I think they're having yeah. an issue as well when they're doing it in color and black and white, the black and white doesn't look that great. And the color doesn't look that great. They need to make a decision. Mm. But the thing is they're yeah. trying to please mm. everyone. And so I get what they're doing. This is like, this is the best alternative they can make. They're like, all right, so we're going to please, if broadcasters want 16 by nine in color, we're going to please the sad little Doctor Who fans like me to have it in black and white and four by three. And this is, Mm -hmm. this is their compromise. And you end up getting two products that aren't right. Yeah. That's, that's, that is, that is so it, isn't it? It's like you, you know, you you either want a really faithful recreation that like, like the Cosgrove Hall invasion one was like, they stuck yeah. to the camera script and it feels like a 60s production. I yeah. know that people weren't massively keen on 
the Ice Warriors for its art style. I really liked it. Oh, and I it did. felt like a 60s TV production. Yeah. 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 Um, the Moon Base, I thought, was a perfect marriage of scope because you've got a certain type of animation that maybe, you know, the rotoscoping and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the art style was just, you know, great. But it does still feel a bit grounded. And th- this sort of feels a bit more like, you know, flash animation. I don't know. It's, it's a, yeah. I don't want to, you know, yeah. insult anybody, but... Um, it, yeah, it, Matt, you were going to say something. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, really? Because, you know, you, you mentioned the moon base. And obviously, I just said I literally watched it the other day. And, yeah, watching that animation, it really feels like 60s Doctor Who. And I think mm. part of that is because it's a lot of close-ups and a lot of mid-shots, you know. They stay mm. away from showing people's legs walking because, yeah. you know, it's a bugger to animate and it looks weird. Um, and I think they just need to... I, th- I don't know why they haven't learned this by now. You know, I'm not necessarily... I don't need to see them walking out of the TARDIS. I can see the TARDIS as a shot on its own yeah. and then cut to them coming out. You know, I, I don't need to see their legs moving. So it's really weird. I don't know why they haven't learned from these things. Um, and I still don't understand why we're in this situation, particularly now. I mean, obviously, I know we don't really know where the money's coming from with the underwater menace because obviously it was all... Um, BBC America before mm. wasn't it so you know we, I can understand why they were like right we need to do it in colour for broadcast and all this sort of thing but for something like this it just sort of feels a bit like well why are you even bothering to animate episodes 2 and 3 you know if it's well, just yeah. going to be a DVD or a Blu-ray release why not just do the two and put more money into doing those two episodes and making them look really good I wonder if it's like a co- is it would it be just cheaper to do all four than to do two of them? I don't know. Is that is that the case, Josh? Do you have any well, kind of input into that? Or uh, I was on Gallifrey Base. I know Boo Hiss, and um, they, <laughs> they were talking about the reason they did it was because like for it was future proofing. They're like if a streaming service or they did want to broadcast it on TV, they'd have a consistent product. They'd be like because right. like going between animation and live action. Yeah, us nerds. Great, we love that. We're used to that, and that's what we mm. expect. But the general audience, you know, that they, they were like, "Why is it live action? Why is it animated? What's going on here?" I'm stupid. I'm a dumb audience member. Um, so that mm. they want a consistent product they can sell because they think right. audiences are stupid, and maybe they are. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a broadcaster. I, I think that I think they're being very. Um you know, optimistic if they think anyone other than Doctor Who fans are going to want to be watching The Underwater Menace. Yeah. I was going to say that. I yeah. mean, you kind of get it with like, you know, when they said, well, let's do the anime, because that's the way it seemed to go, was like, let's do the animations that have we can put Daleks and Cybermen on the cover for. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, like doing power and evil and, and all that sort yeah. of stuff, uh, which it, it blows my mind why why um, Wheel in Space hasn't been done yet. Yeah. Um, for mm. that same reason. But I wonder, I wonder if that's just like a thing it's... of like, oh, you know, this is the this is the last one that we know really could sell because it's got Cybermen right. in it. So we have yeah. to we have to keep it back because if like we do it now, we've sort of blown of our load and that's it. We're done. Yeah. 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 They kept Terror of the Zygons back on DVD for the same yeah. reason, I think. They made that like yeah. the last release. Yeah. And also it was weirdly symbolic because I think Terror of the Zygons was the last VHS release mm. uh, from the line. So it it's weird been, how yeah. kind of yeah. cyclical that kind of thing is. Um but yeah, like it. This isn't obviously the, the the case, but it's almost that sort of thing where if a kid is going through, you know, their local supermarket or you know HMV, and they see 
we, and obviously this is the reason why they do the cartoons on the cover art is that it stands out as being something different but it's like oh it's a doctor who cartoon and it's got the daleks in it yeah and so that's the consistent product that you're talking about isn't it josh it's just yeah. like you know you get a doctor who cartoon you know yes there are episodes on there that have survived but that is secondary yeah. you know trying to patchwork them together that's not the intention is it yeah well the fact that the episodes are in the special features like the existing episodes are in special features they are considered extras mm. the product is mm. the animation everything else is yeah. extra and it's that's very much like intentional and like it may not be everyone's taste but that's what they're planning well they're not even going to restore the existing episodes um what? they said as well like they're just <laughs> they're just the dvd ones they've cleaned them up apparently but they're not a new scan they're going to leave that to the collection set so there's even stuff right. like that comments okay. like that where you're like oh so the collection set's going to be better because of course it will be it's like do you really yeah. want to buy yeah. that uh if you're a sad git like me who loves missing episodes i'm gonna buy it but yeah like mm. the web of fear i didn't buy that for like a year or two and i just got it when it was in a bargain bin you know but yeah. i might do the same with this one i don't know Maybe I'll be really sad and just buy it. Who knows? I I, I think I'm going to get it because, you know, the reason I, I buy everything. Yeah. Generally, you know, unless it's got a new series logo on it, I generally <laughs> buy everything. And, um, you know, I, I the exception to the rule was the Web of Fear because yeah. I was like, you know, unlike with this situation where you think I want to give you money so that there's a bump in profits, yes. however small, yeah. so that you make more. I voted with my wallet for that web of fear one and was like i am not giving you money because i don't want you to think that i want more of this stuff yeah i did the exact same uh, thing in this yeah same in this format um so that's that's why yeah kind of it, it became bargain bin fodder yeah uh, and ultimately the, the, that's exactly the same reason i picked it up and it um, felt so soon after the the original release came out as well yeah i mean it probably wasn't it was probably a, a few years but it felt mm. it just felt like oh i'm just getting the same thing again all right okay you're getting all the special features and stuff as well but i mean i was still a bit sore that we didn't get those on the initial release and i guess yeah. that's yeah. just because they were like we just want to get them out there you know we want to get them out to people mm. and you know we know people will buy it regardless of what's on the discs yeah um yeah i mean i think they i will too well. I, I mean i'll get, I, I think i've already pre-ordered um underwater menace um just to make up for that appalling release back in 2015. <laughs> Crazy. I, I remember being so sad seeing that because yeah. it was one of those things like, uh, you know, it was one of the last, because I think the DVD range stopped in like, was it 2013? I think the DVD range, as it was the kind of classic yeah, I think range, so. possibly, yeah. artwork stopped around then. And then, you know, but I, I have such fond memories of going into Asda on day of release before college and picking up whatever had just come out that month or that week or whatever it is and having it in my backpack at school all day and like right I'm going to put this on as soon as I get it back I've got such fond memories of that so when it came to an end and then we're going to get another one the underwater menace go out pick it up off the shelf but it was such a lackluster yeah it was such a deflating release it was just like man this the state of of the range at this point and, and, you know, obviously we we didn't know anything about any plans for collection sets or, no. you know, kind of um, the, the the master series or whatever it was, you know, this kind of ultimate edition thing that most legacy media goes through, like the Bonds and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, they get their big shiny re-releases. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see how this sort of stuff is covered. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if anything does come back. Yeah. Um, and I think how the other it's thing all was collated like, together. Wasn't the original Underwater Menace release, that was going to be animated, wasn't it? That was announced yes. it was going to be animated. Yeah. And obviously it was off the back of the moon base and the moon base was so good. You know, it felt like, yeah. right, this is a whole new level of, like they've got it. They know exactly how to animate these stories now. You know, we had a bit of a, mm. Rocky start with Reign of Terror. Yeah. Tenth Planet was really good. Moonbase on another level. Wow, Underwater Menace is going to be great. And then, yeah. you know, to get what we finally ended up with. And with the recon, which mm. was just so bad. Yeah. 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 Like unwatchable. Well, Josh, tell, tell us a bit about that, Josh. What, what What's the, the background behind that Underwater Menace release? What happened? Yeah, there? so Planet 55, who did <clears throat> Moonbase, was going to do it. I know it got as far as sets were designed. I know that was happening. I don't know if yeah. they were finished, but I know that happened. Um, but I'm not sure exactly why it got cancelled. I'm sure I've, I've, I, I've I, I, I have an answer somewhere, but I've forgotten it. <laughs> I had a look online and it seemed to me that whoever was animating it and, and it looks... Oh, yeah. Online, I think it was the I, I think, I same think people that bust. did Ice Warriors went bust yeah yeah but i, I mean and that's so disappointing it almost feels like that kind of poison chalice thing with like um with the james bond video games any developer that does a bond video game goes bust yeah. immediately after they go out and it's like if you do a doc 2 animation and you're an animation house you, you got to make sure yeah. that you're you know yeah but it, uh, it wasn't entirely risky. doctor who's fault um they also did mm. this other animated series that wasn't ip related and i think they got their budgeting wrong and then they screwed right. themselves mm. over. That's what I heard. I don't right. know if that's 100% true, but that's what I can recall. So, okay. but yes, they did get the Doctor Who cursed. Um, that kept <laughs> happening. But um, <laughs> thankfully, by the sounds of it, that's kind of stopped, you know, because, you know, this is the Anne-Marie Walsh team is working on the Underwater Menace. Yes. Sadly, without Rob yeah. Ritchie, which is really, really sad. Yeah. Is yeah. composing yeah. work. Really going. I think, like, even from, like, the trailer... Like, I was like, what's going on with, you know, cause they released those images, those screen grabs and like their faces were all compressed. And I was like, yeah, I hope that's yes. just a weird image export problem. But like, yeah. I'm like, wouldn't yeah. have happened under Rob, wouldn't have happened under Rob. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm, no sure, I'm sure the release would Although, be brilliant, but um, you know. <laughs> what would have definitely happened under Rob is we would have found out about this release two weeks ago <laughs> at a convention yeah. uh, in, you know, in some hotel meeting room somewhere, probably in Coventry. And then he would have immediately regretted saying anything. Um, yeah. Can well, I tell you actually, can I tell you something about the evil of the Daleks? Um, you know how those story, um, the animatics got leaked. You know, yeah. There was a two, a two clips on YouTube and I, I leaked it on my channel. Do you know they have, yeah. Rob, Rob told me the BBC had a meeting about me and I was like, wow, I'm like a threat. Wow. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I was like, that is the funniest thing ever. But I, I wasn't in trouble or anything because it was like, obviously it wasn't my fault. I didn't upload, I didn't yeah. hack into yeah. their servers. They literally uploaded it to YouTube and I just reported it. But um, I thought that was very funny. I felt wow. very glamorous and famous. <laughs> That's so funny. If there is a little black book, uh, Josh, with your name on oh. it in BBC HQ, we're, we're almost certainly on that list as well. Well, luckily uh, like we're all there list, together. You know? Yeah, I, I feel like the BBC doesn't yeah. like me, surely. Um <laughs> I'm surely I'm blacklisted. That's probably the reason why getting a passport is so hard. Like you've got the BBC being like, don't let Josh in. Don't let him in. <laughs> I mean, they are, the BBC are basically the civil service. So they've, they've got connections, you know. 
They're like, make sure that person does not get on a flight. <laughs> Can't be having that. Um, well, th- th- this is a it's a brave new horizon. It's a whole new frontier we're moving into with these animations. Where do we think this money's coming from? Like, who's put who's fronting this up? Like, it's it's really interesting. Do we think this is Disney chucking a couple of dimes, or do we think this is some private investor? Um, is it Big Finish Creative? Have they dipped into their pockets and put some money forward? You know, it's it's all the money they're making from Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> they were really banking on Doomsday. We needed to, to fund these animations. Uh, the smugglers cancelled. Those, uh, <laughs> those, those Lady Christina box sets are finally paid off. Get in there. Well done, everybody. Um, well, I think that that might be it. I mean, uh, that was great fun. Josh, thanks so much for joining us. No, that was a you. real, real pleasure um, to have you with us. Um, I, I believe it is uh, customary to allow you to do uh, some sort of a plug at this point. Um, what would you would you like to plug? Um, I have a YouTube channel, um, Josh Snares, which is my name. So um, please look at that. Um, please watch Might of the Daleks. We spent a lot of money on it. No one's watching it anymore. Uh, <laughs> so oh, please watch it's that. Amazing. It was stunning. I, it was so good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I was really happy with that. It was so great to work with Aaron and that and go over Perth and film it. It was so much fun, like filming with actual Daleks and stuff. Mm. I'm really, really happy with it. It's like one of those projects where I'm like, oh, I can actually watch this and not cringe. So, um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So yeah, follow my YouTube channel. I'm on Twitter. Unfortunately, I'm addicted. Can't get off it. Um, And yeah. Mm. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, (laughs) Next time. Uh, after a poll which garnered almost 400 responses, the viewers and listeners have decided our next review will be Time Flight. Yeah, baby! Uh, Annie is going to be so happy. I know she, she's the only person that's going to be happy in this equation um, I, I said and, to her because she was looking at the poll and I was like it's going to end up either being Time Flight or Nightmare in Silver and I kind of wanted to watch Nightmare in Silver because we haven't done a Matt Smith story in a while and Nightmare well, in Silver is only 45 minutes long. Um, so, I, so I only get to be oh annoyed God, yeah. for that short amount of time. Uh, and she's like, oh, I can't watch Nightmare in Silver. I, I, it's got to be Time Flight. I reckon she rigged it. So that's probably her. So it was probably her 400 it, prob- it, it, it probably is her. If she did rig it, she didn't do a very good job because only two votes separated Time Flight and the uh, Nightmare in Silver. So right. that is going to be the one that comes up next. I couldn't believe it. It was so tight for a little while. It might have been Time Lash, which would have been almost as bad. Uh, but uh, no, we're going to be doing Time Flight. So uh, what does what does Khalid say? Umba, Pumba, Mumba Law, oh. all that stuff. Uh, that's my sign off. <laughs> right, we've been cancelled. Um. Yeah. <laughs> that's the end of the podcast. It was two years. <laughs> Um, two years is okay. Well. We got a good run out of it. <laughs> um, well, yeah. In that case, I guess see you next time for Time Flight. Oh, God. Oh, watch God. Why do you do this to us, Billy? Come on. Ah, <laughs> uh, I greatly apologise. Uh, oh, I should also say, in the meantime, go and check out the Patreon. That's uh, Josh going to test there's some good shit over there. Yeah, I am a Patreon. Patron. I don't know what the white term is, but I'm there. We'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> That's we're, my glowing we're, review. We're doing, a, we're doing a commentary, aren't we, next? Is that the Ooh. plan? Oh, yeah. So we're going to do... Ah, oh, we're doing one of Matt's old action figure adventures. <gasps> That's going to be... 
Amazing. We're doing the 10 Doctors. Um, and then I think we might get Johnny in to do Bidding Adieu with us because I've been oh, yeah. seeing some clips from Bidding Adieu going around and I'm really eager to see it because I have a, a slight feeling that maybe Sylv and Paul get a bit pissed at some point during it and sit in the hotel do. room and have a chat. Yeah. So I'm, I think we should probably, and it might be an opportunity for Johnny to exercise some of his demons over Sylv's costume because I think he criticises it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Let's see. Oh, there we go. Well, thank you again, Josh, for joining us. That was amazing. Oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, well, see you all next time for Time Flight. Probably won't Bye-bye. see you because you probably have got better things to do. <laughs> but see you then anyway. <laughs> I, w- I will find a- something to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.